0: keeping money up right now. I mean, just stack it up, stack it up. Well, it's not what we're called to do if we are Christian or Christ-like. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, my name is Rod Embry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we look at and we're learning what Jesus Christ said, who is fully God and fully man. now we'll talk about this a little bit later because it's very, very interesting and Corey is here with Ryan. Corey,
1: Today I'm going to be focusing in on some of the uh, Jewish religious culture of the first century AD. Ryan?
0: Today
2: my segment is all about the prophet Jeremiah, who is a prime example of James' statement in James 5.10, that the prophets of God endured patiently, even in the face
0: of great suffering. All right, very good. Janice? Mm -hmm.
3: Today my segment is called Reckless.
0: All right, good. 28 minutes, we're gonna study this. Open your Bibles and open your Bible guide and let's listen to what God has said to us.
3: James 5, verses one through 12. Come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. James chapter 5. Verses 1 through 12. James
0: 4 and 5. This is the passage we have our assigned reading in today as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we're coming up on Revelation. It's going to be very, very interesting. You know, as a self-professed follower of Christ, and I talk to everybody who's a follower of Christ, it is critical that Christians learn And know what Jesus did and how he responded and ministered to people around him. Now, Christians are people who have dedicated their lives to obeying God and live as Jesus Christ did. We know that the ways of Christ are the ways of God. We know that God does things differently than we would do. And that's why it takes some effort on our part to understand him. This is one of our main goals at Bible Discovery TV. We want to learn what the Bible says, what it truly says, and how it applies to our daily lives. The most frequent question about God and theology that was asked on Google search engines in their theology section were, what is the Bible? Who is Jesus? What is the church? What is the Bible? Who is Jesus and what is church? Now, these questions show that people are curious about God. They're curious about Christianity and they're curious about the Bible. We must live, do our Christian witness among demonstration of God's power and love in our lives and be ready to talk about Him to people that ask us. It's called a testimony. Have you given your testimony? I tell you what, this is a good thing to do on YouTube or Facebook, position your testimony. I mean, that's what we should do. So let's keep that in mind. As we study Christian witnesses in James chapter one to 12, this becomes important. Last year we studied James chapter four, but listen carefully and turn your Bible guide here. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not go to Bible discovery TV and download it, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into our hearts and our lives. Help us to see your word. Help us to hear your word because your word speaks to us, Lord. Help us to understand what you're saying that we might apply it in our lives. That's the hard part. Help us to apply it. Holy Spirit, do your work today and help us all to learn about what you say. Now, if you're not a Christian, That's okay stay with me you'll have a chance to come to the lord in a minute but stay with me just consider what we're saying but i'm talking primarily to christians today james chapter five verses one through four listen carefully come now you rich weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who moved in your fields, which you kept back by fraud, they cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, James is being very specific here. Heaping up money in the last days is not what we're called to do. We're not called to do that. Serving the Lord God is very important right now. now. What do I mean by that? Do I mean that all rich people are bad? No, it's not what I said. Love of wealth. That's the root of all evil. Not wealth. The love of wealth, beloved. In fact, there are many believers in Jesus Christ who know what to do with their wealth. And many ministries are born because they support those ministries or they finance those ministries. We need to keep that in mind. But I'm talking about everybody who's trying to get rich, trying to get rich, trying to get rich. If that's what you live for, trying to get rich, trying to get rich, what what are you living for? What? The Lord Jesus Christ, there's so much more to live when you look at him. So much more to do when you see him, beloved. We need to keep that in our mind and keep that in our heart. doesn't matter how much money you have. It matters how much you give. And that's a big, big question today. James chapter 5, verses 5 to 6. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of the slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered and murdered the just. He does not resist you. Now, remember this. Many are headed in the wrong direction. We must never judge or condemn anyone. God will save us if we ask him. Have you ever thought about asking God for help in this time? Because this is a good time to ask for God's help. Lord, help me today to know what to do and how to do it. What to spend money on and why to spend it, Lord. Help me. Help me to develop that attitude, Lord. We need attitude shifting and changing. That's what we need to do as believers in Jesus Christ. You know, I I really think this is important for us to hear today. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to do the same. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, let's go on to the last part of this, because this gets really interesting, 7 through 12. Therefore, be patient. Oh, that's something. Be careful when you pray for patience, I'll tell you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives it, the early and the latter rain. Well, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. This is James. He wrote this 2,000 years ago. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of our Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. And you have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That is, the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth or with any other oath, but let your yes. I love this line yet. Let your yes be yes. That's Proverbs 7 12 and let your no be no yes be yes and no be no lest you fall into judgment. In other words, keep your word. We must be patient about the coming of the Lord Jesus because he's coming and he's coming quickly actually. As Christians, we should let our yes be yes and our no be no. I don't think there's any other time in history, at least as I've studied it and I've seen it a couple of other times, when lying has been such a dictated practice, exaggerated by all of the social media and everything else. You know, it's again, I say to people, it's one thing to act like a Christian, but how do you react? One thing to act like a Christian when you're driving, but then somebody cuts you off on the road, then you've got to deal with road rage. Why do you have road rage? What's the problem here? We need to let our lives be turned around. Jesus Christ needs to change us inside. And Father, I pray today, come into our hearts. If you're not a Christian, pray with me and say, Lord, come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again, paid the cost of my sin. Forgive me of my sin and help me today in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said together who prayed that prayer, Amen, make it be so.
1: Today, we are finishing up our study in the New Testament book of James. The book of James was written by James, the brother of Christ, who became the main leader of the Jerusalem church. And we see him interacting uh, back in Acts. We see him interacting and kind of being a go between, a mediator between uh, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and and dealing with this concept of, you know, what are the requirements to be saved? Uh, If you're a Gentile, Do you first have to become Jewish in order to be Christian? If you're Jewish, do you give up your religious traditions in order to serve Christ? This was a really big deal uh, in the early church and and James found himself in this mediating position. So today I want to focus in on the uh, very uh, strong and serious religious uh, culture that existed in the first century, uh, specifically Jewish religious traditions and cultures because then I think we will appreciate on a deeper level, the struggle that first century Christians had to deal with. Take a look. First century Judaism had as a uniting symbol, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. The temple centralized the giving of sacrifices and the various annual celebratory festivals of Israel. Though the temple and festivals were important, there was much more to ancient Judaism than this unifying place. Synagogues, scripture and teachers of the law existed throughout Jewish society and the faithful practiced their faith in all aspects of their daily life. Community synagogues were an essential aspect of Jewish daily faith and in the first century BC, the mikvah or immersion bath for ritual purity joined the fold. Both public and private mikvah pools are known from archaeology. They're distinctive in their overall design and in where they are built. Namely, wherever there was a Jewish community, mikvah could be found. These baths enabled the faithful to observe the purity laws of bathing found in the Mosaic Law, in both a real and convenient way. Beyond mikvah, many researchers suggest that there was an even closer way to express the Jewish faith. Through dishes made of stone. The popularity of stone carved dishes increased in the first century BC and lasted until the second century AD. Their popularity largely coincides with the boom of known Jewish mikvah. The idea is that water for personal purification rites like hand washing before prayers and before meals could be kept in stone jars as is seen in John chapter 2. On top of this, it's known that later Jewish thought believed natural stone to be more resistant to becoming ritually impure than other materials like wood or pottery. Or at the very least, stone vessels and dishes could be purified with water, whereas pottery dishes rendered impure had to be destroyed. Pottery was very common and inexpensive, but its destruction was surely still a material loss and an overall inconvenience. Interestingly, the stone used in these dishes was chalk, which seems an unusual choice for dishes because it's a porous and dusty material. It must have had a distinct advantage for Jews in this time period, however, because it is consistently found in Jewish contexts, but almost never outside them. This may be due to the fact that the Mosaic Law does not mention stone vessels at all in its purity laws. Pottery was to be broken, wood washed with water, metal with water or fire, but nothing is said of stone. This scriptural loophole may have fostered the belief that stone cannot be rendered impure. Recently, near Nazareth in the city of Cana, where the Gospel of John records the stone jars of pure water, a chalkstone quarry has been unearthed. Inside the quarried cave, chalkstone vessels were found at different stages of production. So we can see through instances like this that uh, the, the religion of Judaism had really permeated in all levels of society and daily life, which is actually a really good thing uh, because it can remind it can serve as a reminder. You know, tradition can be really healthy when it reminds you of the deeper spiritual truths behind it. But because it was so ingrained in people's lives, this is why they had such issue with Jesus, because he was coming and he was giving them an interpretation of what all of those things meant that they weren't used to. So we see Jesus in the Gospels struggling, and people struggling with Jesus's interpretation of all of these things, and that struggle would have continued on for jewish christians uh you know uh, how many of these things in their daily lives these traditions did they have to get rid of could they continue on in these traditions and it looks to be a little bit of both happened in the first century but i hope that this gives you a little bit more of an appreciation and an understanding for these complex issues that early jewish christians really did have to deal with
0: i think the thing that i remember is with peter and uh the arrival of the sheet from heaven with Mm -hmm. all of the meat on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, you you begin to think about that, how a lot of people can identify with Peter, yet Peter was Jewish. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to pay attention because the Holy Spirit is doing things Mm -hmm. and telling us things that we don't need to just close off people. We need to listen and hear what God is saying. That Mm -hmm. that becomes very, very important. Thank you, Corey. Excellent. Brian?
2: Yeah, well, today my segment is based on James chapter 5, in which he teaches believers to have patience until the Lord's coming, even in the midst of suffering. And in verse 10, he says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, while James goes on to use Job as an example of someone who endured great suffering, Another example of someone who was persecuted to the extremes was the prophet Jeremiah. And that's because his message was very unpopular with the religious and governmental institutions of his day. And because of this, he was mocked, ridiculed, and persecuted. It's no wonder that he's known famously and tragically as the weeping prophet. Let's study his life today. Known famously as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah stands out as one of the most unique persons of the entire Bible. A son of Hilkiah, a priest of Anathoth, Jeremiah receives his call from God when he is very young, perhaps no more than 13 years of age. In fact, Jeremiah was the only prophet ever instructed by God not to pray for his own nation. God informs the boy that he will be the prophet of Judah's midnight hour, proclaiming the destruction and end of the Jewish nation. Such a task would be anything but easy. Delivering this message would officially make Jeremiah the most despised and persecuted Old Testament prophet. Worse still, although Jeremiah's ministry commenced during the reign of King Josiah, the subsequent four kings were anything but godly. Indeed, in Jerusalem's final hours, Jeremiah advises Zedekiah, the very last king of Judah, to surrender himself to the Babylonians, since God was employing Babylon as his tool of judgment. Jeremiah makes reference to Babylon as God's instrument of judgment over 160 times, more than the rest of scripture combined. He also prophesied that the Babylonian captivity would only last 70 years. However, for this the prophet is branded a traitor and imprisoned. When the Babylonians do invade, King Zedekiah foolishly ignores Jeremiah's godly advice and attempts to escape. After he is captured 20 miles out of Jerusalem, He is forced to watch the death of his sons, then blinded and carried off to Babylon, never to return. As for Jeremiah, no other Old Testament prophet of God probably suffered as much as he did during his 40 years of ministry. He often found himself standing alone and opposed by people, false prophets, princes, and priests. He was mocked, whipped, accused, threatened, despised, hated, rejected, imprisoned, and cast into a pit. Later, the Babylonians freed him, apparently because they learned he had advised the leaders to surrender. It may have been during this lonely time in his decimated homeland that he wrote the book of Lamentations, traditionally attributed to him. Known as the saddest book in the Bible, it's an eyewitness report of the siege and fall of Jerusalem, followed by the grief of a people with no nation. Interestingly, Jeremiah is the only prophet to give us an eyewitness account of Jerusalem's destruction, and records more about his own personal life than any other prophet. No wonder he is well remembered as the weeping prophet. Now, just to finish the story, after the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, the few remaining Jews of the land wanted to escape to Egypt, but Jeremiah warned them that if they did that, that they would die. Well, ironically, the Jews had originally escaped from Egypt to start their nation. And now they were escaping to Egypt after the death of their nation. Apparently they forced even Jeremiah to go with them and he was never heard from again. Jeremiah is just one of many examples of a prophet who patiently endured even in the midst of persecution. And in the same way, James encourages us believers to also be patient like this. We should expect persecution in some form because we belong to Jesus Christ and the world hates Jesus. It's like Jesus said in John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But even in the midst of the hate and persecution, we need to be encouraged and encourage each other that it's all for a really glorious purpose, which is entrance into the kingdom of heaven. So let's stay strong in the Lord and allow him to lead us. After all, he is our good shepherd.
0: Amen. He is the great shepherd. That is awesome, Ryan. Thank you. Janice?
3: Leading into reckless. Do you know that reckless is an adjective that means dangerously careless? Reckless means dangerously careless. And as I looked at James chapter five today, it spoke to me in this way, that we need to speak and live the truth as followers of Jesus Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, then we need to speak and live God's truth. Not what we think our truth is, but God's truth. The point here is not to speak recklessly. James five verse 12 says, But above all my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Now, James is not forbidding a believer from taking an oath in court. You've you've heard it said when they take the Bible, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. He's not saying that you can't do that, invoking God's witness to some significant statement. Instead, what he's prohibiting here is the ancient practice of of appealing to a variety of different objects to to confirm the truthfulness or the accuracy of your statement, however you wanna prove that. This practice was extremely close to idolatry because it implied that the objects that you would swear by would contain spirits to actually help you to do something. And so, to me, this warning in these verses can serve as a reminder to us to watch what we say. When we say yes to somebody, then we need to follow through on that. When we say no, our, our words need to be our bond. We need to be known for telling the truth and not trying to fudge, not trying to say something and then wiggle back out of it. We should not use our God's name in a reckless manner, dangerously careless, and we should be careful to speak the truth. I think in this day, Rod, of loose lips, of many, many words, of everybody knowing what's right or they're right and coming against each other, we need to be very careful we, not, we need not be reckless with our words, dangerously careless. We cannot do that. The truth of God's word is key. The truth of God's word will save someone, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. So let's not mess that up. Let's use God's name rightly. He is a holy and an awesome God. He is the truth. He is the light and we need to use that name and invoke that name in the right way, not carelessly.
0: I need to remind you that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30, we have live prayer on Facebook and YouTube. Join us! We'd love to have you come there and be a part of it. Today, we also need to pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I want to dedicate my life to serving you. Help me to be a good witness for you. And, and I mean that, Lord, a good witness. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together,